Hello again, everybody. I'm the coach Shannon Griffith, and thank you for joining me here on Thursday evening with the Hoosier football tailgate here on the Believe Network. Thanks again for uh, joining uh, joining me tonight. I'd love for you to do the polite thing, as Kent Sterling would say, and hit the like and subscribe buttons uh, because it's what we do in Hoosier Hoosier land is we're very hospitable and very polite, but would help if you would do that for me this evening. Tonight, got a good show for you. Going to have Matt Weaver on from uh, pegs.com. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Ohio State game. We'll talk a little bit about the quarterback situation for the Hoosiers. And then as well as talk about the Indiana State Sycamores and Kurt Mallory coming to uh, the stadium, Memorial Stadium, Friday night at 7 o'clock, a kickoff on uh, BTN. So you'll be able to um, catch it there if you're not able to be in attendance um, or if uh, you can be there and able to get to the game. I'm sure the Hoosiers will very much appreciate any support they can get from the fan base. One thing I wanted to do tonight is uh, talk a little bit, too, on the Q, uh, QB1 situation, that the, the uh, battle that is ensuing between Taven Jackson and Brendan Sornsby. Um, I don't think they got another great read out of that on uh, Saturday against the Ohio State Buckeyes, a game that the Hoosiers lost 23-3. to um, Not much offense was occurring on Saturday and really didn't get themselves a chance to really show what either one could do. Kind of the same uh, scenario coming out of uh, fall camp where coaching staff felt that neither one kind of rose to that number one status. So they're going to do the same thing this week, play both of them. Now this week the difference will be that Taven uh, Jackson will, will start at quarterback on Friday night, and you'll see him – in at with that first drive for the Hoosiers and then Soresby will again work their way in now if for some reason Tevin, uh, Jackson would have a great hot hand I'm not sure they make the change maybe they you know let that quarterback take all you know take more snaps but we'll see what that yields on on Friday night um you know it's 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 kind of odd in the sense that you've gone from one uh, perennial power in the Big Ten to a one double A program in Indiana State. So you would hope, offensively speaking, you would see some more opportunities arise for the quarterbacks to display what they can do with the offense against a team that is not as physically in stature as Ohio State. But we'll have to wait and see. I think, the, and I will cover this a little bit later on, some of the things that Indiana State needs to, I mean, excuse me, Indiana needs to do uh, on Friday night is really uh, take control of the game from start to finish. And that starts with an offense that does uh, put themselves on being able to drive the football and do some of the things to put themselves in the best possible position to win the game, but also be able to come out of that game uh, with a little confidence offensively heading into their next contest <clears throat> against Louisville. <clears throat> and then the final segment tonight, I will talk a little bit about 
what the Hoosiers need to do to get the win. What are the five areas the Hoosiers need to do on Friday night to guarantee themselves a victory as they look to go one-on-one on the year and get themselves back to the 500 level prior to their game with Louisville that's lingering in the background. And the one thing the Hoosiers can't do, they cannot peek forward in, in, in terms of what's next on the uh, schedule because if they're doing that, then they're in for a rude awakening on Friday night because I guarantee you Kurt Mallory is going to be a team that is will have a little chip on their shoulder and they're looking for the opportunity to upset the Hoosiers. So stay tuned. Coming up next, Matt Weaver will join us and uh, we'll talk a little bit about everything, including Friday's game against Indiana State, as well as a little bit on the Ohio State game and the um, quarterback situation. So stay right tuned. We'll be right back with Matt Weaver. Hoosier football tailgate here on a Thursday evening. Joining us now is Matt Weaver from Pigs.com. And uh, Matt, how are you doing this evening? Doing well? Yeah, I'm doing good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing, hanging in there, my man, as we progress along to week two here with the with the Hoosiers playing Indiana State on Friday night, a di- uh, Friday night game that's different. Uh, I'm not uh, so sure that uh, Tom Allen agrees with the Friday night <laughs> games. What's your feeling on Friday night games? Um, well, I, I kind of lean his way. Um, you know, I think Friday nights are for, are for high school football. Um, you know, I, I'm, you know, I know they do all these games during the week, you know, especially when you get later in the season, the, the action, which is actually some of my favorite things to watch is those Tuesday and Wednesday games. But I'm with him. I think Friday nights are for football. I will say this selfishly as a dad, my son plays football on Saturday. So right. uh, there is a part of me that kind of likes it just because, like I said, selfishly for me, I can go see him play. Whereas a lot of times I miss his games because I'm obviously, you know, at a stadium somewhere working. Yeah, I know it can it, it 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 can be a pro, it can be a con. I know that from a uh, football standpoint, they won't be able to have any of their recruits mm-hmm. on campus on uh, on Friday night, and that always is a concern um, as it pertains to that. I don't understand the reason behind all of this with the Big Ten. I know they've done it. What this is their second year implementing a. For the Friday night schedule, do you know per se? I'm not sure how long they've done it. I know Indiana's played on a Friday night before, but it's I think it's been a number of years. I mean, it's, it's all TV driven. It's all about television, and maybe it's just one way to move one game. I mean, let's be honest. This is not a marquee matchup for the Big Ten this weekend. So right. you move it to a Friday, and it gives you it allows you to maybe not have to try to juggle so many games on Saturday. I don't know if that, that's yeah. just my, kind of spitballing and kind of speculating, but that's how I probably see it. I think this is a game where, you know, it's it's not – it's Indiana, Indiana State. So move yeah. it to Friday, and then we have our primetime spots on Saturday for, you know, the bigger teams or bigger games. Yeah, and I agree with that. I mean, it's all, it's all relative to uh, – everyone's perspective i guess i don't i think from a, an attendance standpoint it'd be better on a saturday than a friday yeah. but you know what it's already been scheduled so they're going to play it irregardless <laughs> of what we may think or what anyone may think and that's just the way it is 
Let's, uh, before we jump to Indiana State, get your take a little bit on the Ohio State game, on on what your thoughts were on that. Well, I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, obviously, my prediction before the game was 45-17 Ohio State. Um, I, you know, I thought uh, Indiana's defense, especially up front, and you know this, you know, as long as you've been in this state, the hardest position for schools like Indiana recruit are O-linemen and D-linemen. There's just not a lot of those big guys that are athletic and can make plays. And if the ones that are out there go to the bigger schools, they did a great job in the portal recruiting some D linemen. Andre Carter, uh, Philip Bleedy, Marcus Burris, uh, Linnell Carr, who's kind of an edge guy, but still up there on the, in the front. And those guys played well. I mean, the defense played well. Now, there were some kinks. I mean, Ohio State had three new linemen, uh, a new quarterback. Um, so there were some kinks, and they'll get better. But, you know, the, the defense was legit. The The offensive game plan to me was <clears throat> head-scratching, to mm-hmm. be nice, and disappointing, to, you know, be honest. Uh, it, looks, it looked like a spring game offense to me. It looked like they ran about a half a dozen plays the entire game, and their whole goal was just basically not to get blown out. Um, I, you know, they, there was almost no shots taken downfield. It was like a Navy offense without being Navy. Yeah. Um, you know, the passing game was just non-existent. Um, and so that was disappointing. You know, I've, I've told people, I think this team has enough talent to get six wins, but the schedule's brutal. You're playing nine conference games in, in, in the Big Ten. You're in the Big Ten East. And then Louisville's basically a 10th conference game. Yeah. Uh, it's a game that should have never been scheduled in the first place, but it's been scheduled. You got to play it and move on. But, you know, they, they, they've done a nice job in some areas. But, you know, this is this offense, you know, I get it's Ohio State, but it, that was – that was not good. It was, it was brutal to watch. Yeah. I mean, I think there, you know, I think um, coach Allen alluded to some of it a little bit was the fact that they started a numerous amount of number of times inside their 20, a few times inside their 10 and five, which really uh, hampered the play calling or the play selection which I get from a coaching standpoint when you're going into the game and you don't have a guy that's really stepped forward and really laid claim to that spot, you know, you're you're pretty much at, you know, what do you do? And you didn't, like you said, they didn't want to put them into bad positions, which caused them to hold back, not take some shots, do some things that they normally would have done uh, if they had a more experienced quarterback who do you think ultimately, because now you're going from the opposite ends of the spectrum, you go from Ohio State perennial top 10 team defense that's probably within the top 10 nationally year in, year out, to now taking on a 1AA Indiana State uh, defense. And you're probably going to, you know, you would hope that your quarterbacks would both get opportunities to show what they can do. Who do you think ultimately? is probably going to be the guy if you had to bet on it. Well, I mean, and maybe it's because he's, I, I lean Haven Jackson, but probably maybe it's for the wrong reasons. I, you know, I, I, I'm not saying you pick a guy cause he's the in-state guy, but I do think that plays a factor when he comes from a program like center Grove. Um, you know, I think I'm not saying either guy spins it superbly, but I think he throws it a little bit better. And I think, you know, they've got some weapons at receiver. You know, there's, I don't think there's any studs. There's no like Cody Latimer's or somebody like that, but mm-hmm. I think it's a group. Um, and obviously you got Jalen Lucas and, you know, not to dwell on the play calling, but I don't know why you run a guy like Jalen Lucas repeatedly up into in the line instead of trying to get him on the perimeter, but I get it. It's, it's mm-hmm. Ohio State OC. 
But I lean, I lean even a little bit, although Soresby probably a little bit better. They're not that much different. You know, yeah. Soresby probably runs a little bit better. I think Taven probably throws the, but they can both run and throw. It's not like one, it's not like you're talking Connor Bazelak and Dexter Williams, you know, mm-hmm. two totally different quarterbacks from last year. So I think they're pretty even. Um, you know, I, I, I lean Taven. I, I mean, not that either guy played great. Um, and then I, we didn't get to see much fall camp. Well, we didn't get to see team stuff in fall camp. So I'm going by what I kind of heard. What I heard is from day to day, one guy would play good, the other one wouldn't, and then the next day would flip flop, which I'm guessing as a coach is probably maddening because there's no there's no consistency, right. and so you're kind of like, who do you go with? And I think this is one reason why they're at where they're at. They're taking this basically. It's like fall camp's extending two weeks into the season as far as the quarterback position goes. Um, I would lean Taven, but I, I will not be shocked if Brendan Sorsby. I, I mean, I really think this is a dead heat. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see Indiana State. I would, you know, both guys you would think would have a chance to look pretty good. No, no disrespect to Indiana State, but obviously there's a talent uh, disparity there and you should handle your business. So it'll be interesting to see what they do because they kind of, you know, implicate or indicated that they're going to try to pick a guy after this game going forward, starting with Louisville. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I think if you ask each anyone – on the street, I think you get a 50-50 response. You know, some would say Taven, some would say Brendan, but I don't know if they're going to get what they need from an Indiana State game and mm-hmm. and be able to come out and say this is the guy. And that's the lo- little concerning point from my perspective as a former coach. You've had all, not all, just that, you've had all spring and then also all fall camp and neither one of them took the bull by the horns, so to speak, according to the coaching staff that said, hey, I'm the guy. And so you're going to probably go in the Louisville game again. I would hope not for their perspective, but we'll have to wait and see. But Indiana State this week, I just wanted to get your take on it because you've seen a lot of different teams over the years and different quarterbacks. And I think your perspective on it is, is, is good to have. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't make you feel better when you see your former quarterback dropping uh, four hundred, five hundred yards, <laughs> five, five five dimes out west. It looked like a uh, first round draft pick and a Heisman Heisman Trophy guy. Well, I agree with that. Thank you, the portal. Um, the fu- you know the crazy thing of it is before, and I don't want to get sidetracked as much on this, but you know, even when uh, he was here. Uh, you know, his biggest problem was injuries because he just wasn't a big, strong kid. But now when you see him out, Michael Penix Jr. out West in a Washington uniform, he looks thicker. He looks bigger and stronger. And it's, it's a quite a different Michael Penix from Indiana to Washington. But yes, you're right. He's having a, uh, a pretty stellar year out out there last year and then of course got off to a great start here with you sum up your defensive uh thoughts on the ohio state game well you know going in and you know when i would talk to coaches they felt good about they felt good about the um the d-line like i said you know linebackers i think they felt like they had two or three guys but you know you have to rotate guys and obviously aaron um aaron casey is a good football player you know i don't know if he's the next level I don't know if he's a next level guy, but as far as college football, he's a really darn good football player. Yep. Uh, I thought Jacob Mangum Farrar played well, you know, but like I said, developing depth there will be important. Um, the 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 key, the the biggest question was the secondary. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen the top five corners for Indiana last year who play all, were all gone. 
Like they had yeah. nobody at corner on this team that saw snaps for Indiana last year. Now they had some guys that obviously played, you know, that came in from the portal. And the only guys who came back were freshmen that basically got a few snaps here and there on special teams and they maintained their redshirt status. Um, so that's what you didn't know. Safety was not as bad, but it was still pretty inexperienced. Um, and I thought they did a good job. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Marvin Harrison is just Marvin Harrison Jr. is just a ridiculous player. And Absolutely. they did a good job. They did a good job against him. And I think some of it, I and I talking to the coaches, they were hoping that the guys up front, and you know this, if, if you're if you can get a Kevin Wilson always used to say, it's not how long that guy can cover the receiver, it's how long it takes my DN to get to that quarterback. <laughs> that's that's what that's what that's what's gonna determine if we can stop the passing game. And I thought they did a pretty good job up front, but I thought there was plays where it looked like maybe they're gonna get beat and they recovered and they knocked the ball away. Coach Allen said there were a couple picks in there that they should have had. I, you know, I mean, he's a defensive guy, so he's going to grade mm-hmm. them hard. But I thought, you know, Kobe Miner, Nick Toomer, I thought all these guys, I thought they played pretty well. Um, and it's really, it's really encouraging to see that because that was the biggest question mark coming into this season was could this secondary and, and it was the secondary last year was not good and they had so many returning guys who had done good things and right. for whatever reason, just they just they had they had a bad year. So, you know, you wondered, is it, was it good that they lost everybody or could it be good that, or, you know, maybe it's good that you got new guys because it's fresh faces and maybe it was getting stale. So I thought Matt Guerrero, the new play caller on on defense, did a really nice job of mixing things up and, you know, talking to one of the Ohio State 247 guys, he he mentioned that he was like, you know, Indiana really did some things that I think it really bothered Ohio State. It really kind of confused them with some of the things they were doing. So I think he did a good job. Um, you know, if you can get back to close to what Kane Womack had two years or uh, three years ago, the, the COVID season, where that mm-hmm. defense was fantastic, you know, that would be great. Um, get some turnovers, shorten the field, make it easier for your offense so they don't have to go 80 yards all the time. But I thought the defense played well. And, and it, to me, it was a very encouraging, you know, I hate writing positive stories after losses because I just, it's hard for me to do it, you know, because I'm, I don't, moral victories to me or, you know, I just don't, you know, I'm not into that. But I wrote my story was about the defense and about how they played well and they showed a lot of promise. You know, even you know that was that they they held down a good offense. I mean, I, Ohio State probably hasn't scored that few points in years. I don't know. Maybe they had, maybe there was a game last year, but they really did a good job. And I think it's something they can build on. Well, there's no question about that. Um, in terms of the, uh, what they got, I thought their defensive line played well. Um, the Carter kid from the transfer from Western Michigan, I think, is going to be a beast. Uh, for them as the year goes on, because I think he gives them a lot of uh, strength and toughness up front that they haven't seen had in the last few years. So it'll be an interesting uh, dynamic with that as as the year goes on defensively. Now, the key to them is can they come out against the Indiana State team where they really should dominate? and hold their own and really put the clamps down and put themselves in a position. Cause here's Indiana state coming in. They're Owen one. They get beat by Eastern Illinois 27 to nothing. So Eastern Illinois, and not to take anything away from their victory, but they're not like the, you know, perennial power in that yeah. league. And they're, and they're in a rebuilding scenario. And so it'll be important for the IU defense now to really, uh, kind of forced their will upon the Sycamores on Saturday. How about the last, the last, uh, I guess, scenario that's in this game on Saturday is the Kurt Mallory bringing a team into Memorial Stadium. Of course, his dad, Bill Mallory, was the head coach 
here for a number of a number of years. Um, can it, I, I kind of get the sense it's a pretty emotional uh, setup for this Friday. Yeah, I would think so. And I mean, obviously, everybody knows what Bill Mallory meant to Indiana. I mean, when I was a kid and we had, uh, you know, growing up in Columbus, Indiana and get, have, having season tickets to IU football. I mean, my first memories were actually when um, uh, Lee Corso was there and then Sam Weiss. But my most fondest memories are obviously with Bill Mallory and what he did. I mean, they were so much fun to watch. He had some great teams, obviously, Anthony Thompson, Von Dunbar, some really good players. Um, I, I've, I've not met Coach uh, – Kurt Mallory, uh, I met his uh, – Doug was obviously at Indiana under under Kevin Wilson for a couple seasons, so I got to know mm -hmm. him a little bit. But, you know, it's a football family. You know, you're you're an in-state, yeah. former in-state coach. I mean, it, that, that, that is a football family through and through. And, um, you know, I, I, I was a manager at IU, but I started after Coach Mallory was gone. But I knew I – knew, I talked to players. And the, the loyalty and the love that they had for him was just, it's hard to describe. It yeah. really was. I mean, even, even the managers, you know, there was guys who quit just because he was no longer the coach. I mean, they loved him that much. And I had players tell me, I remember sitting at the Bluebird talking to an offensive lineman. And he said, you see that brick wall? If coach Mallory asked me to run through that brick wall, I would try to do it. I mean, it's yeah. just, you know, he, that's, you know, so he, he was, you could see it. He was, um, you know, he, he was he was obviously a great coach and, and a great man. And obviously it's, it's a shame that, you know, uh, you know, everybody's you know, you know, he's getting older, but it was a shame how they lost him kind of in that tragic accident with him falling down the steps. So mm -hmm. it's too bad he couldn't be around to see this to see. And here's the other thing about Bill Maher. I think this says more than anything. Indiana fired him and the way they did it was probably not the greatest, you know, not the best. And he never he, he stayed in Bloomington. He come to practice. I remember one of my one of the best days I ever had. Uh, I called my dad up after I left practice. He he talked to me for 15 minutes. We just sat there and talked football for like 15 minutes. I mean, he did most of the talking because he knows a heck of a lot more than I do. Mm -hmm. But um, it was awesome. I mean, for me, it was like I called him as a like, dad. You can't believe this. Bill Mallory talked to me for 15 minutes at, on practice, standing on the sideline, and it was it was amazing. And um, so that's you know that's the stuff I think about when I think about him. But the, how he never stopped loving IU, even though for a while they stopped loving him. Mm -hmm. I, I I think it shows a lot about what kind of person he is that he, you know, he still supported that school and wore IU stuff and was out there supporting them, even though, you know, they, they, they let him go. Yeah. And I worked with Kurt at Ball State when we first went there under another former IU coach, Bill Lynch. Um, we were there for, uh, I don't want to say eight seasons, won a championship together. So I got a ton of respect for Kurt. I'll guarantee you this, Indiana State will come with a chip on their shoulder, ready to play a game regardless of what happened week one, because you got to remember these kids are the ones that Indiana passed on at some point. Some of these kids are, and they're good, good football players, but Indiana, you know, maybe passed on and these kids that felt like maybe they should be playing up. Now they're going to get a chance. What is your take on Indiana state? Have you gotten any, you know, scouting reports or anything of that nature? And I'll kind of see what you think. Where I come well, from. Well, I mean, I, I didn't get a chance to watch him, obviously. I, you know, I do a question exchange with the writer from the other team. And so uh, I did it with a guy who covers him for the Trib Tribune Star there in Terre Haute. You know, they're they're having some injury issues. They're starting quarterback from last year. Kate Chamber Chambers did not play week one, is not expected to play this week. They went with two quarterbacks. One guy threw it twice and got picked off both passes. Mm -hmm. But he, he sounded like he's a pretty good runner. Um, ran for like around 60 yards on nine carries. In fact, I think he led him in rushing. Their other quarter, it sounds like they, they really struggled offensively and they gave up. I think they had maybe two pick sixes in that game against Eastern Illinois. I could be wrong on that. I think there was yeah. at least one. And they, 
maybe two. So they really struggled to move the ball. Obviously, you don't score any points. Um, you know, they gave up 27, but some of that sounds like it was kind of on the offense. So, you know, um, I think they got some guys on defense that could be could be a, a bit of a problem for Indiana if they're not ready to play. But like you, I mean, this is a game where obviously they're going to come in with a huge chip. They're going to they got nothing to lose. They're, 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 they're expected to get blown out, you know, collect their paycheck and get blown out. They got nothing to lose. Indiana needs to come out and and, you know, look like a Big Ten football team, in my opinion. That That's, mm-hmm. you know, that's what they need to do. And so but I, um, you know, both my parents went to Indiana, went to Indiana State. So I saw <laughs> I have somewhat of a soft spot in my heart for the uh, for the fighting trees, the sycamores. <laughs> um, so and uh you know, I, I obviously, I you know, I don't root for Indiana. I'm in the press box, but I'm an Indiana guy. You know that, and I, you know, I, this is a game they need to win. So I expect them to come out and have uh, have a good performance. But it's a short week against a team that they probably are overlooking. You got Louisville next on the schedule. It's going to find a lot, find out a lot as, as a coach. You probably where is your team mentally for this game? Mm-hmm. Well, first and foremost, you can't let the Ohio State game beat you twice. What I mean yeah. by that, that you're sitting resting on last week's game that you completely forget about the opponent in front of you because if you do that you're going to get yourself uh get a rude awakening on friday night but you're right there this is the type of game that indiana has to take control and control early start driving the nails in the coffin in the first half so that in the second half they can start working on some of their depth and getting guys in and out indiana state you're right gavin screws and evan Oles. With a two quarterback, Evan is a transfer from Colorado State, I believe. He's the one that can run the football a little bit, so they'll do a little bit more of some of the read stuff. Where Gavin, the the kid that started, is a little bit better of a passer. He was thirteen of twenty four for one hundred and sixteen with two ints on uh, last week against uh, Eastern Illinois. So you're gonna have. Um, you know, an Indiana State team offensively, defensively ready to play. And you're right. Indiana has to be able to come in, take control and put it away early. Matt, I appreciate you joining me. I know we got to talk in here a little bit, but that's me a little bit in that regard. But I really appreciate you coming on. Try to get you again. Come on. We'll maybe throw a little recruiting in the end of the fray, because I know that you're big on that as well for for the Hoosiers. But thanks again for coming on tonight. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was it was a lot of fun. Thank you. Matt Weaver, thanks for joining us here tonight on the Hoosier football tailgate as uh, Indiana gets ready to move on to uh, Indiana State this Friday night uh, as Indiana will play uh, their second game of the season. And all of a sudden, uh, we got the Sycamores coming in uh, for the Hoosiers. Welcome back to the Hoosier football take here on the Believe Network. I want to thank Matt again for coming on this evening and giving his insights on the three areas that we discussed there about the quarterbacks as well as Indiana State. Most importantly, as the Hoosiers take on the Sycamores uh, Friday night at 7 o'clock for a game <clears throat> That will be broadcast on BTN. And now I want to do a little bit of what I call the coach's room, the coach's film room. And I wanted to go back on a few things as it pertains to the Ohio State game on Saturday and show a few clips, kind of give you my perspective on it. And also maybe it 
jives a little bit with what Coach Allen was referring to, not only after the game, but in his Monday press conference uh, at Memorial Stadium. This is the uh, kickoff in the third quarter. And the reason why I'm bringing up this one, this is the one where not that they get a great return or anything um, they had on some others in a punt game and stuff like that. But you can see now up at the top here, you got the yellow hanky sting uh, out and all of a sudden now you're going to find yourself way back inside the five because this will be half the distance to the goal line. And what does that do to an offense? It immediately puts their heels almost on the goal line. You're almost as a as a coordinator and a head coach thinking worst things, the, the worst thing that can happen. Don't put yourself in a position to turn the ball over. No stupid calls in terms of asking the quarterback to throw it you know, down the middle of the field or uh, some of those things that you would do with you had a little bit more breathing room. So you're automatically already starting with your back up against the wall. And too many times on on Saturday, the Hoosiers uh, face that scenario where they were inside the 20 or inside the 10 and sometimes inside the five was starting their possessions. And that really hurts you offensively on what you're able to do. But it also hurts you in the terms of getting points, because most of the time when you have to drive consistently 80, 90 yards for a touchdown, you're just not going to do it uh, enough to to have a ton of consistency. Here's a couple of throws, mostly from <clears throat> Brendan. Um, you know, uh, Jackson had a few, but not to the extent that uh, Soresby had. Here's one where one thing I wanted to point out is the offensive line. You can see what I call a bowl here forming. And in pass protection, that's what you want to see. You want to see what we call a bowl forming for the quarterback to be able to be in a position to throw the football. Here's a good throw. He doesn't throw the receiver into coverage. He puts it a little behind him, and it's a nice throw and catch and puts IU in a better situation uh, to get a first down. Now, they didn't throw the football all that much on on uh, Saturday, and again, uh, to their own um, faults, they said they may be overly conservative, but that was a good throw and catch there by Carter. Um in that scenario, here's a third and four coming up. And this one here, there's another good uh, pocket by the offensive line, but this one's going to be what I call a mesh route. And um, what I'm trying to uh, show here is what these two receivers are doing. And this receiver here has to be in a situation where he's working himself up and he gets beyond the the down and distance as this gentleman here has to set the mesh a little bit deeper than he normally would to make sure he gets himself beyond the line of scrimmage or beyond that first down marker but he catches it shallow uh and he's not at the he's not at the marker uh for the first down and that's where the ball takes him on this one uh his window um, for this throw and they're short by a few yards. And instead of getting a first down, they end up being short, uh, in that situation. Here's another, uh, opportunity, uh, for them to throw it another good throw here. 
what you're going to see here is Williams does a good job of not what I call running himself covered. Again, good pocket. They keep the tight end in for some protection and a good rip there by uh, Brendan on that one. Um, and this kind of gives you a better viewpoint of what I'm talking about. Williams doesn't keep on running where this guy can jump him. He puts his foot in the, he puts his foot in the ground and comes back this way and he's going to throw him open where he throws it right in here and it's an easy catch uh for him and they get a nice pitching catch good 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 uh uh route combination and throw here you get to see it from the end zone <clears throat> couple good defensive plays here this one is done by Carter down here at the bottom watch him come off the ball here he's got a lot of power a lot of strength and he is going to be a dandy for the Hoosiers. Him doing a great job reading it there. He's got he's got explosiveness when he comes off the ball. You can see he's big and strong. He's physical. And I really think he's going to be a great addition to this Hoosier defense, especially as he grows into the defense and understands it better as the year goes on. Here's a good passing situation. Uh, it's third and goal for the for Ohio State. <clears throat> they end up going to five wide because they put the back out. But really, what's good and the quarterback's looking here to this to this guy here. But you can see it's pretty good coverage. You get the double up here against Harrison, your number one receiver. That's good. You got him covered. Hoosiers do a great job of covering. He's spying the quarterback, really, because if he takes off and runs, he's got him. But um, they do a good job here, good pass breakup, and hold Ohio State to just a field goal. And so you can see from that perspective of what that brought to the table for the Hoosiers on Saturday. And it put them in a uh, a good position in some of their situations that they were able to solidify some things defensively within that game, get some stops. Um, they, I thought they played well up front, their front four defensive linemen. Of course, we've talked about some of their linebackers and the play that they had on Saturday and the secondary. The secondary, I thought, was really good, as Matt alluded to in our earlier conversation. Um you know, overall, a good, solid performance. I always say tamp it down a little bit. Ohio State, um, like I said, I'd play them. I'd rather play them the first week than any other week of the season because they will make their biggest progress from week one to week two. And Kyle McCord or whoever they put at quarterback is only going to get better um, for that. Now, defensively, the Hoosiers have to continue on doing what they did on Saturday and be that physical and that, um, uh, commanding against Indiana state, imposing their will on the Sycamores throughout the game so that, um, they can get a lot of three and outs and keep Indiana state off the board as much as possible. Uh, in a game that the Hoosiers really should be uh, the better team in that regard. 
You know, uh, one last thing here on the QB1 status uh, Saturday. I've already said that Jackson gets the start. Soresby will be the one that will come in at, at, uh, as the number two of rotation. I did hear, I think it was uh, Taven that said it, that um, if a quarterback would have one of them would get a hot hand, um, there's a possibility they could stick with that quarterback a little longer and not have a set number of plays or situations, but both of them are going to play. And while both of them should do quite well against Indiana state um, in the terms of ability, when it comes to throwing it, because I do believe the Hoosiers will have a better opportunity Um it's got to take one of them stepping to the forefront and saying, I'm the guy, I'm going to put this team on my shoulders and go make things happen and be the number one guy. But I caution that in the sense, and I'm sure coach uh, Bell and coach Allen have alluded to this with both of them play within the framework of the offense. Don't go out and try to do something that's outside the framework because that's when you get yourself in trouble. That's when turnovers happen. That's when you start making wrong decisions with the football, improper reads, and so forth and so on. So as long as they're within the framework of the offense, they should be, both of them should be okay um, moving forward with all this. But, uh, you know, I don't know necessarily if you're going to get a good look um, coming out of this week with both of them making a determination who the guy is moving forward. But we'll have to wait and see, and maybe it does come to fruition and one of them do, does step forward. Final thing I want to talk about tonight is kind of the five things that I think Indiana's got to do on Saturday, I mean, excuse me, Friday night to secure, uh, secure a win against uh, Indiana State. And I think number one, Offensively, Indiana has to develop a running game. They've got to identify what run play there is inside zone, outside zone, option, uh, power, counter, what play they can hang their hat on that they know that they can get consistently four and five yards because Saturday their their consistency on first down and second down when it came to that was not there. And that led to them not doing a lot of converting on third downs because they were in third and long consistently all game. And that was directly related to their inefficiency on first and second down. So they've got to have a run game that identifies what play they can hang their hat on. That's number one. I talked I alluded to this earlier. Does one of the quarterbacks step to the forefront, put the team on their shoulders, and it says, I'm the guy? Who is that going to be? Is it going to be Soresby? Is it going to be Jackson? You know, make the coaches make that decision because either one of them has the great game. We'll find out if that occurs. I hope they both have a tremendous game um, on, on Friday, on Friday night. The other one is this. Can the defense, the third thing that they have to do, can the defense have another performance like they did on Saturday? Can they help the offense in the sense that they create threes and outs, they create turnovers that leads to points? Um, Can they, uh, you know, help the offense start putting the nail in the coffin of the Sycamores 
early in the game, perhaps through the early second quarter leading into halftime. So in the second half, they uh, Indiana can start uh, looking and creating depth depth at positions, getting guys some reps that they may not have gotten against Ohio State. Um, but they have to have a better performance uh, Friday night on top of what they did on on Saturday. And they should be able to do that against the Indiana State. They have to create turnovers, and then the Hoosiers offense has to capitalize on that. And Indiana's got to get back to where they are leaders in the turnover margin category and uh, create them, and the offense stays away from them and utilizes those turnovers and turn them into some type of points, be it a field goal or a touchdown. And lastly, special teams. The special teams for Indiana, irregardless of who they play in, they have got to win the special teams battle. They have to stay away from penalties. They cannot have penalties. They've got to win the hidden yardage battle. What do I mean by that? Let's say they have a return that goes for 10 yards. That's one less first down that the offense has to get. Let's say they have a return that goes for 20 or 30 yards. That's two to three first downs less than the offense has to get. And when they're kicking the ball, they have good enough coverage that they're eliminating as many return yards as humanly possible so that they come ahead in that uh, side of the game. And if Indiana can do that consistently and throughout the year, it's going to help them so much on either side of the football. Um, And then, of course, if they can get a touchdown or get a block punt, uh, whatever that may be, those swing, those sudden changes that help either side of the ball, then so be it. But special teams has to be something that the Hoosiers win and win consistently throughout the year. I want to thank you for joining me here on Thursday night on Hoosier Football Tailgate on the Believe Network. Don't forget to follow us on uh, Twitter at uh, Hoosier Tailgate 55. And also you can follow me on Twitter, Coach Griff 55 on Twitter as well. Thanks to Matt for uh, Weaver for coming on and joining us tonight and providing his insight and such. Don't forget to like and subscribe on YouTube and share uh, our video and let your buddies know and family friends know that the best source for IU football is right here on Hoosier Football Tailgate on the Believe Network. Um, I will see you Monday for a recap of this Indiana State game from this Friday night, 7 o'clock on the BTN network. If you can't be at the game, you can catch it there, but we'll catch you up on Monday evening with all the recap of this game here on Friday night, right here on Hoosier tailgate. Thanks again to Matt Weaver. I'm the coach Shannon Griffith. This has been the Hoosier tailgate football tailgate on the believe network. We'll catch you Monday. Have a great weekend.